during this season of Eastertide, our scripture lessons are going to come from the Gospels, and they will be explaining uh, the resurrection appearances of Jesus. And so today, we hear from the Gospel of John, chapter 21, verses 15 through 19. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and to go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. And after this, he said to him, follow me. On this, our second Sunday of Easter, we have this beautiful appearance of Jesus right after he has appeared to the disciples who he's encouraged them to toss their net on the other side and they pull in all this fish and the setting for our story today is they're on the beach having a fish fry and I can't imagine what it must have been like for Peter for Peter to know because of the resurrection that Jesus knew that he had predicted correctly that Peter would deny knowing him three times. I have to think that he was heartbroken with this knowledge that it was true, covered in, in, in shame for the way he had behaved. I also think that maybe even Jesus' heart was broken a little because when we love people, we have expectations that they will behave in a certain way and when they don't, it disappoints us and it even breaks our heart a little bit. In this series, The Heart of the Matter, we hope to focus on things that really matter during the Easter season in the midst of this global pandemic that we must admit is breaking our hearts. We have the option of uh, on our phones and our televisions and from many different sources to have this constant diet of bad news as we watch the death toll rise each and every day. We have this understanding and fear that our economy will never recover, or at least not on the short term, because we see the thousands of people whose lives have been disrupted economically, not just here, but everywhere. And we have to stay away from this place, the church, the place that fills us when our souls are empty, that pours into us so that we may go out into the world and pour in to those who we encounter. 
And so for these next few weeks, we're going to be looking at these biblical stories of Jesus' appearances because he, know he, ha he has a limited amount of time. And he's trying to say the things that are so important between the resurrection and the ascension. And hopefully, we too can learn what Jesus thought was the most important. When I was in high school, I went to a racially diverse school and was on a racially diverse athletic teams. And the thing that broke my heart at that time was racism in our country. I read a statistic that the time that we are most separated as a people was on Sunday morning, and I couldn't believe it. And then when I was a young, pregnant wife, I was on the foster care review board, and every month for four hours, we would read and process every single case of child neglect and abuse for two counties, and my heart broke over and over and over again. Then, as a youth minister, my heart was constantly broken over young people, beautiful, gifted young people, who had these voices in their lives that told them over and over again that they had no value or they were unworthy. And so these are things that have broken my heart over the course of my life, but right now, I feel like we're all standing in the midst of being heartbroken. I know that I am. My heart is breaking for those who are in the hospital and the nursing homes who cannot have their families visit. My heart is breaking for those who have had a death, but there's no funeral to attend. My heart is breaking for people who are separated and isolated and feeling completely alone for those who are losing their jobs and worried that ultimately they might also lose their homes. And today, on the anniversary of the bombing of the Murrow Building, for those of us who are old enough to remember 25 years ago, we remember what we were doing, who we were with, how it felt in the midst of that horror and grief. And then we witnessed amazing things. How first responders in Oklahoma rushed in, how, how clergy and nurses and doctors and counselors rushed in. We watched people from all over the state drive to the city so they could help. There were beautiful blessings that came after the terrible grief. I have a colleague who was one of those first responders who admitted that he still, to this day, sometimes has nightmares about that week. The reality is, as Oklahomans and even as Americans, we couldn't go back to the way it was before because we were forever changed. When our children were what we thought was old enough, we took them to the memorial and the museum, which is a beautiful, beautiful place. Our oldest at the time was 13, and I remember that he didn't speak all the way home, that almost two hours together in the car, that he was so moved that he couldn't utter a word. Why do I tell you these stories of heartbreak? Because our disciples are in this place of heartbreak and grief. 
They are standing in this place, and what did they do? They turned back to the profession that they had done three years previous to knowing Jesus. They go back to fishing. Why? Because they were followers. Because they followed Jesus, and he was their leader, their rabbi, their teacher, their Messiah. And so they followed, and now they are at a loss of what to do without their leader. But yet, they are standing in the wonder of the resurrection. They think they can go back to their lives before they knew Jesus, but they can't. We know that they can't. They will never be the same after encountering Jesus, hearing him teach, watching the miracles, watching his death, and yet experiencing his resurrection. Their hearts have been shifted in a way that cannot be undone. This beautiful depiction in the Gospel of John is so full of grace and forgiveness on this day that Peter is overwhelmed. His love of Jesus never failed, but his fear of being arrested, his fear of death thrust him into denial and ultimately shame. I want to share with you a video of what breaks the heart of Nadia Boltz Weber, who's a Lutheran pastor in Denver, Colorado. Uh, what breaks your heart, not to be cheesy, but like what breaks yeah. it apart? Mm -hmm. Like this is my... Yeah. What breaks your heart? And yeah, what man. breaks it? What breaks it apart? Yeah. And what breaks it open? And I feel like the thing that like break that really does break my heart over and over is being just smack up against my limitations or my mistakes or stuff I just haven't done right or done well or done when I needed to. And, um, and yet having someone forgive me. Like when, when President Obama did the eulogy at uh, Reverend Pinckney's funeral, and he went to grace and not to hope. It just undid me. I, I couldn't stop crying. When he started talking about grace, I was like, I was done. Ooh, no, I can't, I can't. I was like weeping because um, that's the thing that just undoes me, whether it's grace or forgiveness or mercy I received from another person or that I've received from God. Um, it does, it cracks me open. Um, and, and I'll do everything in the world to not need it. I will, man. I will try so hard to not need it. I would so much rather do everything right. I mean, I would, I would so much rather nail it all the time and just be good, you know? And um, I'll do everything I can to avoid making a mistake or doing something wrong or be, what at hurting someone and inevitably I can't avoid it, it you, I can't avoid it and then 
when I'm forgiven, when somebody forgives me or extends grace or mercy or when I feel that from God or when somebody like in, puts that word of forgiveness in my ears, you know, it just, it, something changes and it's, it doesn't change back, you know, in some way. So, you know, we have this absolution that I, I'll say, which is God who is gracious and merciful and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love loves you as you are. And as a minister of the Church of Christ, and by, by Christ's authority, I declare to you the entire forgiveness of all your sins in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Like, just those words alone, I'm just like, I just need them so much. They just do something inside of me. And so that's, I think, what breaks me apart and puts me back together over and over. Nadia says that her heart is broken open with a gift of forgiveness and grace. She wishes she didn't need grace. For those of you who can't remember what our definition of grace is, it is unmerited love and forgiveness. And so Nadia says she tries to do everything right so that she doesn't need to be forgiven. She doesn't need to be loved in the midst of her messiness. And I can't help thinking that Peter would like to think he did everything right. That he didn't need God's grace. He didn't need Jesus' forgiveness. Jesus asked him three times, Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And he offers Simon Peter absolution for every denial that he gave and he gives him instructions on what to do next he says tend my sheep feed my sheep feed my sheep of all the things that Jesus could talk to Peter about in these short days between resurrection and absolution he offers him grace and forgiveness. He tells him to take care of the people. This forgiveness that we do not deserve, grace, does overwhelm us. I have a tendency, when people are really nice or do something unexpected, it makes me a little uncomfortable. I've gotten pretty good at smiling and saying thank you. But every once in a while, Someone will surprise me with such a deep gift of love that I get overwhelmed and I cry. Not because I'm sad, but because I'm, I'm laid bare. I'm vulnerable. I'm overwhelmed with the grace that is extended to me. And deep expressions of love do that to people. This Easter season, our hearts may be broken open. I hope that we realize that we are never going to be the same. We cannot simply go back to the way we were before. Our priorities have shifted. And for some of us, like my friend Hank Jenkins, who uses a wheelchair for mobility, 
He was telling me this week that in the disabled community and people with mobility issues, that they've been told by their employers and their colleges that they couldn't work from home, they couldn't study or go to class from home, but they can't say that anymore. And the reality is when it affected all of us, it was only four weeks that we could pull it together and make that a possibility to work from home, for our students to study from home. And I'm gonna tell you what, folks, people with mobility issues they do not want to go back to the way it used to be. They want to move forward. Here at church, we will not go back to not having online worship. We will be offering this every Sunday from now on. And you will be able, when you travel, when you go to college, when you're ill and you can stay home, to still be in worship with us every week. One of our kids, Sarah Gerlock, I hope she's there today. I'm going to say hi to Sarah. She has been getting up. She's teaching English in China, and she's been worshiping with us every Sunday in China. Why would we want to go back to not having that available for Sarah and all the other people who have been blessed with the ability to connect when they haven't before? I hope that we will be a people who embrace what we have learned in this season of life and death. That we will be careful and deliberate about what we add back in when we have the chance. When we are allowed to gather as the body of Christ, I hope, I pray that we will be a people who are changed that our recognition that humanity is precious everywhere is something that will guide our choices because we have seen that no borders and no citizenship and none of those things have mattered in the midst of this pandemic, that people everywhere are hurting, are isolated, are fearful, just like we have been. I hope that the witness of how our environment has been healing while we are locked down will impact our reason and our choices. My son held up his phone and showed me a picture of Los Angeles. And it was a photo taken of the skyline three weeks ago, two weeks ago, and yesterday. And it was incredible how in three weeks the sky has cleared and the earth has healed. This Week, the 22nd, is our 50th anniversary of Earth Day, and the Earth is rejoicing at our stillness. I hope that we will still cherish the small things that have become so valuable, and that we will let go of the silly things that we used to think were so important that we've realized are not that valuable. This week, writer and author Anne Lamont wrote for the New York Times this beautiful sentence. She said, Through the workings of love, science, community, time, and what I dare to call grace, some elemental shift will occur, and we will find we are semi-okay again. And even semi-okay 
can be a miracle. We are inviting you to participate in this outbreak of kindness by doing little things, by sending virtual hugs and writing scriptures and sharing words of encouragement. We heard from the Eastern Oklahoma Food Bank this week that they used to give out 460,000 meals a week, which is phenomenal. But in the last month, that number has gone to 750,000 meals a week. And so if you want to gather some food and start collecting food that you could share to help your neighbors, that would be a beautiful outbreak of kindness. I pray that we will not be seduced in our need for normal, that we lose this important point of what has become precious to us in a difficult time. I pray that those of you who have discovered family dinners and family game nights will not overschedule your lives again where those are not possible. I pray that the kindness that we have extended to our neighbors, our first responders, our healthcare workers, and even our grocery store workers will continue to multiply. I hope that our hearts have been shifted and we too who are standing in the wonder of the resurrection with a renewed commitment to proclaim our love for Jesus and the lives he calls us to live. May your hearts be broken open for the things of this world that truly matter. And may we learn to offer each other and the world this gift that Jesus offered Peter, this amazing thing called grace. Amen.